You can play a C in the bass. And you can do an octatonic scale starting on C. You can still stay in F minor. So it's like a, it's a variation of sometimes the harmonic minor scale. Okay. Did Bartok use those, use like a string pad over his uh, Rhodes Bar, uh, patch? Apple computer worked with Bartok. It was one of okay. the original, um, you know, collaborations. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Because yeah. I've heard a lot of the string and uh, Fender Rhodes piano sounds in Bartok's music. Really? Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to jam on a octatonic scale? Yeah, I do. Which one? Um, I, I only know one, so okay, I hope you pick that, that one. one. <laughs> Good afternoon, and welcome to Mr. Haircut. I want you to take a moment right now, stop whatever you're doing for just a minute, and take a deep breath. That's it. Now sit down and take your shoes off. Just take your time untying the laces, and then take your socks off and really enjoy that feeling. That's right. Now close your eyes and listen to this groove for a bit. got piano virtuoso Michael Anderson on the show today to talk about his new project Breakfast Time. For those of you who live in Winston-Salem, Breakfast Time will be performing tonight, November 11th featuring myself on bass and an all-star ensemble with Michael Anderson at the helm. The show is at Sika at 
For those of you not in Winston-Salem, you can go to our website, mrhaircut.org, for all the info and links to Michael's work. Now sit back in your favorite chair, loosen up your pants a bit, and enjoy... get you a mr haircut name before we go any further that's like hmm. i mean i'll have to edit this in and put it at the beginning of the podcast because no i understand yeah uh you know in high school i was called spanky um but if that's just too old school were you really something else Sorry, that's cool a drummer, a, a really, really badass drummer by the name of spanky. all right um yeah i don't know um so if you had to sum up your hairstyle in one word it would be the um, there's, there's, mm. there's some composers that have my hair. Someone, someone told me I look like some certain composer's hair. Yeah. It's Mendelssohn. That's the name of your Mendelsohn. haircut. Is Mendelssohn? Really? Yeah. See, so you've got the Mendelssohn cut. Oh yeah. It is Mendelssohn. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just call me Mendelssohn. Call me Felix. Felix. The Felix. Alright. So we've arrived at a Mr. Haircut name for Michael Anderson. It's called The Felix. So for a topic today, I wanted to talk to you about... So this podcast, kind of our loose theme is improvisation. So that's something I'm really passionate about is improvisation in all aspects of life and in music. um, And just learning more about it. I feel like improvisation has, uh, modern music has kind of lost a lot of its improvisatory aspect. So a lot of classical music was was improvised, was based around improvisation, like Bach improvising around a figured bass. Yeah, which that's is exactly like right. Us improvising around chord changes in jazz. Right. But uh, I feel like modern music has has kind of lost. At least as far as, as the listener goes. Listeners don't appreciate improvised music in yeah. the way it used to be. And I feel like that is a distinction that needs to be pointed out because there's a difference between music losing its improvisational approach versus people just not being interested in the improvisational approach because there are tons of, of musicians that still like to improvise. Um, but before we get into all that, I want to know if, if it's okay with you. Who are you and why should I care what you have to say, Michael? <laughs> What's your story? I thought, I thought he already answered that. No, I mean, you know, how? when did you start playing? Like, what's your background? Yeah. What brought you to here? Yeah, well, you know, I can't fully convince you that I have anything worth saying except for the fact that I smoke a pipe, and I'll probably mm. be smoking a pipe after this mm. uh, tobacco for you weirdos. Um, Do you but, wear a, a special jacket when you smoke the pipe? Yeah. Does the okay. jacket have arm patches? Um, depends on the day and the in the you know the seasons, but hmm. but other than that, you know, yeah, I can't fully convince you, but I have been a musician all my life. Um, I you know am very emotionally attached to music. I've been a classical musician. I went to school for classical piano and composition, so I've studied all the classical compositions and I know a great deal of theory and things like that and then in high school I started doing jazz and other electronic sounds 
And I think it's been a great story of how, you know, as music technology increased, I was kind of always behind the game because I kind of, you know, grew up right when it was starting to boom, when like things came out that were easy for a homeowner, you know, who doesn't have a lot of money to have the right equipment to do some awesome stuff. So, so yeah, I think it's worth listening because I think I have a lot to learn, but I have learned a great deal in um, both the classical area era of music and how that can integrate to to jazz and improvisation. And frankly, most of my day is spent improvising because I'm a composer and I compose I, I compose up to ten to twenty melodies a day, and wow. it's all it's all just free flowing improvisation. And uh, I have a lot to say and think I spent a lot of time thinking about how to take uh, improv, improvisize, improvisatory, uh, <laughs> improvisatization, you know, yeah. thing of that nature and taking it and making it a through composed work. I think that's a really big challenge. So to answer the imp- improvisation, I think the key is definitely listening and yeah. uh, being humble. I think for me, it's being humble. I think, I think a lot of times I feel like, man, to be a good imp- improviser, I have to play fast. Yeah. I have to play something fancy. But music is a relate is a relationship. It's a conversation, and so it's important to first build that conversation with your musician friends, both like out of music, but also definitely in music and be listening let them speak right um, yeah yeah it, yeah i think listening is just as important as speaking as like putting your ideas out there yeah like i i, I was trying you know that's where i still need to learn because i don't have perfect pitch but i'd love to be able to listen and actually hear the notes that you're playing and know the name know the notes that's something that i that's one of my goals so when we were listening to that tigran stuff earlier you picked out like the sharp nine chord yeah so how did you how did you know that was what that was? Well, certain chords are distinguish distinguishable for me that I've I've heard a lot, and that wasn't the only only chord I heard, uh, but that 
was used a lot. I think because I hear that one, that one in particular has just a very, excuse right, me. Right. It's just very like sharp, edgy. You know, for me, chords can kind of go in two categories. It's either like smooth and, and like eloquent, mm, eloquence is the wrong word, just smooth or edgy. Mm-hmm. So like I love the, just the ninth, the regular ninth in a certain version. Like that's very smooth to me. Yeah. You know, but then if you just instantly, like that's that chord is a sharp nine, and yeah. I think that has a more sharper edge. So that's another thing I do when I'm improvising. I listen to the groove of what's happening, and I kind of put it into two categories. Right now, is it sharp or is it smooth? And I don't mean sharp in the sense of like a raising a half step. Like, does it have a bite to it? Right, tension. Yeah. Yeah, and that doesn't just mean the sounds that are being played, but like the way that you're doing your rhythm. Mm-hmm. Is it building to that point where you're? I know you're going to do something that's more complex, mm-hmm. which means I need to listen even more carefully, mm-hmm. because I'm either going to have to join you in that complexity, yeah. or it's just take a take a breather. Usually, whenever I use complexity these days, it's more about interjecting and sort of kind of because, and I'll try. I'm trying my best to choose my moments a little bit more carefully. So it's this whole, okay, we've been jamming and we've been grooving for a while and it's been sort of the same thing. And it's just almost like this wake up, look, like we're still, we're still here kind of, kind of thing because things can get vibey and vibe being vibey is cool, but there comes a point even with, you know, a listener when, as me as a listener, I just start to get uninterested if something new isn't introduced at some point. That's a great point. So, and the best way to do that, to jar someone is to, to add something that wasn't there or to subtract. Do you only have two options? You can either subtract notes or add notes. What about changing notes? Um, you can change where you place notes, but that sort of um, like displacing something is mm-hmm. kind of to me adding. You know what I mean? Um, it's subtractive too, but it's like it's like shifting. It's like changing, shifting your balance. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's sort of another thing. I, I always think about it as like, what's the space doing? Am I going to add more? And that addition may be going to the sub next subdivision up. So instead of like keeping it like eighth, sixteenth, it'll be sixteenth, thirty second, or or changing pace where it's um eighth uh dotted eighth or uh eighth eighth note triplet. Mm-hmm. So just something that takes you out of your mental state for a second. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing that I try to do when I'm improvising is I try my best to hold on to themes, even if the the song has moved. Um, there was one bass line, or I think I'm not sure who started it, but there was this this pattern happening, and the, during this the part after you guys left it, I still held on to it. And so that to me keeps. Was it the running thing? This. Sorry. Was it that? Mm-mm. Um, it was something a little bit more like. Uh, I, I can't. I can't remember what it was okay. now. You'll hear it when you listen back to it. But I think that makes everything more cohesive as a whole. Oh, yeah. Versus. Yeah. Like a part just being one thing and then moving on to something else that's completely divorced from where we came from. Yeah. That's key. That is so key. If you don't return to themes, it it will definitely lose the interest of people listening. Like there's like a, yeah. something really important about returning to a theme. Um, I like I like completely abandoning something and moving on though. So I mean I like that too. I like hanging on to something. But if you're doing a ten minute improvisation, 
and you hang on one thing for the whole time, it gets old to me really quick. But mm-hmm. I'm a drummer. What I don't have the melodic and harmonic aspect. I can only sort of allude to motifs for the most part. And 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 as soon as you lose that whole thematic repetitious element or calling back to things that you did before, there's something about drums that becomes unmusical at that point. Like drums can be music as long as you don't abandon the other structures, the other things besides harmony and melody that makes music music. Yeah. Structure, repetition, like all the other elements of music. Yeah. Dynamics, timbre. Yeah, I can see that. I kind of like I like an improvisation to reflect life though more than that. Like life doesn't stay on one thing the whole time. Well, life hopefully is it stays on you or else you're dead. Well, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying, but And how like, much can a person actually change? Like, and this is a really kind of a deeper philosophical <laughs> conversation, just, yeah. but I am no matter how much change I've gone through, I am always myself. So my life, depending on what, you know, all these random, seemingly random events that happen, there's always this one line, and that one line is is me. That's a pretty broad theme, though. Like, musically, I would equate that to the entirety of Western music, maybe. You know, like that, our entire theory system or something. I feel and like we're going to a conversation. I, I feel like we have category conversations a lot. I but, feel like that's a good conversation to improv, improv- can someone help me? Improvised to, to, to dot. Thank you. Yep. Uh, this is a good conversation for that because change, change is only change because people are in one spot. So, like in other words, like if you're at point A, going to point B is the point of change. So if you're staying in A the whole time, mm-hmm. there is no such thing as change. So music yeah. naturally has change. Yeah. But I think recalling things is both life like mm-hmm. and even though there's sometimes most of the time when you recall something it's a little bit different it's right. not always the same but it has the same kind of underlining current mm-hmm. and i do think it's very close to life c.s lewis has this thing called about undulation mm-hmm. and it's just about this idea that people people are meant to change and 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 move on to different points but he's saying you know but we're all still you know worshiping the same thing the, mm-hmm. the god of the universe but his his argument is that change needs to happen in order to to show um, the beautiful point, the beautiful high points, and also the low points, like those things. If yeah. there was no such thing as a high point, there would be no such thing as a low point. And uh, so, like, it's interesting when we climax in certain solos and stuff like that, because there's actually some type of rhythmic, not rhythm. There's some type of um, movement towards it. You can feel it kind of building. And I think that's one thing that I'm kind of trying to re rethink about like yeah how as a group could we maybe withhold that climax and make it a little bit long make make it not a climax in the same mm-hmm. in the sense of being louder what if there's a different way to do a different a climax like one yeah. my favorite part of that jam was when we went down here and we were just yeah 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 and it was just a silence and i was hoping it would go on even longer because that sounded to me like a great vibe area yeah right. like i was planning on doing that just the whole time i think it was just and, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't actually plan on playing when you guys started. Like what was happening didn't require me at all. It wasn't until you guys actually changed. I was like, "Oh, drums go here." Mm-hmm. But if you guys had stayed in that mode, I would. I was gonna sit out that entire time. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I'm. I'm excited to look. Listen back because I think when you, also when you listen to yourself back, you can learn a lot. So, where that there there was a point where I, I wish I could go back and continue that longer. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't really happy with what I did on any of that. I feel like 
I don't know, recording a podcast in the morning is hard because my brain isn't really all there yet. Like I'm not, I've, I don't have cohesive ideas yet. I'm still just kind of trying to find my sound and my, you know, still trying to put everything together. Yeah. It usually takes for me an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It takes an hour of playing before I feel yeah. like I'm in the zone with people who I'm playing with. Yeah. It's always weird for me because I don't really get a chance to practice or warm up. And I lived of the life of, I never, never played a performance before warming up. That was just, that was against those taboo yeah. for me. Yeah. Right? Same, same here. But now having the, uh, yesterday I had a lot, I had to, had to play a gig at High Point University. Then I had to go teach and then I had to go play another gig. And so this is the third time I've had to play with people, and I haven't practiced or warmed up once in this past period, like 36-hour period. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so this is – I'm definitely outside of my comfort zone. Except you're in your house. Except I'm in my – I mean, I'm, certain aspects, I'm in my comfort zone. <laughs> you're in you your pajamas. I, mean. I don't still. know if I'm allowed to say it's your house, though. I didn't give the address away. Sorry. Okay. I mean, that's fine. Even if people knew where I lived – I think it would, they would just bring me flowers. I'll just say it's in Kernersville. You don't know what state, what country, what planet. I wonder how many Kernersville. Kernersvilles there are in the United States or Asia. Well, they actually because blindfolded me. we could be in Asia right now. <laughs> they blindfolded me until I got into the house, so don't ask me. I don't even know. That was me, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I gave you a biscuit, and it was all good. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're all about biscuit. biscuits on this podcast, for the record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of which, if you guys have any good breakfast time name ideas, just send them my way. Michael Anderson, look me up on Facebook, follow my band page. Uh, you can go to John Ray's link. I'm, I think there's a link there to, to my band camp. MrHaircut.org. We will have links to all of Michael Anderson's many web pages. I have and, many. <laughs> yeah. Dating sites, uh, the whole Everything. the whole works. Everything yeah. will be on there. Just check so. me out. Yeah. Check me out. Was the, uh, the story about the dating website, was that on Christian Mingle? No, uh, no, okay. no. I'm not gonna give away the name of the the website. But you know, she, there's a movie about Christian Mingle called Christian Mingle. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've not seen it. I probably won't be seeing it. Um, those uh, parodies kind of scare me and give me a really weird feeling. Kind of like too much butter. Um, <laughs> that is straight, a weird feeling. Just straight up butter. It's yeah. Not a, I just. You need to put it on something. You know, a little parody on something else is nice. But if you're just slapping a stick of butter on my face. That's just weird. Nobody likes the Butterface Slap. No. But that's a good name for a song now. Thank you. Butterface Slap? Butterface. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have a song called Biscuits? No, we don't yet. We need a song. Because I think, I yeah, think it needs to be something about biscuits. biscuits. Yeah. yeah, breakfast biscuits. I don't know. I don't know what that would sound like yet. That's been an interesting thing, trying to find the right sounds for the certain synths. You know, or Wouldn't certain that be buttery, though? Yeah. It would, yeah. but it's not just butter. It's biscuits. So butter and flour. I think, you know, I feel like... Eggs. Got some eggs in there. Yeah. This this is a biscuit sound. What do you guys think? A little lower. Pitch. Yeah. There it is. Mmm. Mmm. I think that's it. Dude. I just saw someone making biscuits. Like a very distinct picture of the 1950s. You look in in and you're just walking. You're the milkman uh-huh. and you're walking through and you're walking through downtown and you just see the guy in his like oversized chef's hat, you know, just rolling dough and he waves and smiles and you wave and smile. 
that was the time when people waved and smiled. Yeah, yeah. A, lot. a lot of waving and smiling yeah. going on. In fact, that that tune I just wrote definitely was waving and smiling. I felt it. Also, haircuts. I mean, everybody back then had a haircut. Well, he That's would true. have to pass the barbershop, too, with that long like, right. tubular striped thing. Waving and smiling. Yeah. And then not only the, does the barbershop owner smile, but everyone that's getting a shave and a haircut also looks up, waves, and smiles. Every time I hear something, my brain sort of goes into a mode and that mode may not be appropriate, but it's not necessarily about being appropriate or not, because I think once you say, I can't do that, you're already working uh, like against yourself on an improvisation. Um, I, I like to think, is this something that I do all the time? And if it is, then it may be more of my my comfort level playing my the drums playing me versus me actually following my ear and being creative hmm. That's that, that, that was one thing about me really being introspective um taking lessons and just really taking to heart what was said to me and saying how my own playing has gotten in my way from being creative hmm so it, it took me a while to really get what I was going to do in that improvisation because I, w I wanted to do something sort of instinctive. I was like, no, wait, wait. I always, I always do stuff like that. Let me do something different. That's why half of that improv, I was on my ride in my hi-hat. Okay, which is new? Well, the way that I was doing it was new. Like the idea of trying to make music with two cymbals and just trying to make sort of a pattern that fit and flowed and, and feeling it with just these two voices was definitely um, new for me. Nice. Because I usually don't think that way. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 
I I never really thought about trying to do or what I do normal or what I continuously do, you know. But I guess that is something to check out. That not that that's a bad thing what you continuously do. Yeah, but you can definitely sometimes people you can you can we've talked about this before how people come to jams and they've been coming so long or even if they don't come so long they come three times and you already feel like you know exactly everything that they have and what they're what's about to happen right yeah yeah and and that is something that i felt within myself whenever the our jam was about to start hmm. that's interesting i'm maybe the thing that i always do is i always try to push it and do things that i've never done before or like come up with things i've never done before so like even in that jam, which was three pretty basic chords, I was like, I was trying to find something, some new way to do that. Like if I was, you know, I could have approached that in a way where I'm just playing the bass notes, like a boom, 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 boom. And that, if I was a listener, that would have just put me right to sleep. Like even though it's kind of the normal thing to do or the... Right. You know, um, I would say most bass players in a situation where you're playing those chords on a piano would have just stuck to the root and, you know, maybe thrown a five in there or something. But, uh, yeah, but that, that whole thing, I was trying to come up with different things to do over that. Yeah. Like things that I've never thought of or, you know, that I wouldn't normally do. Yeah. Well, it's funny how certain chord per cat, cat patterns like, uh, improvisation. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, all those words that I want to say. It's funny how those chord patterns bring out certain styles and certain genres. Yeah. Like when I started playing those three chords, I was thinking just like the chill, chill out vibe kind of genre. Yeah. That's meshing with the kind of southern rock. You know, I tend to always any any chords like that. I tend to just do. Yeah. Which kind you know, Bill Gaither all around. Yeah. No one knows who that is, but I'm sure someone on this video listening my, my grandma does yeah exactly that's a per <laughs> so so yeah i have a lot to learn with those kind of chords i think um but there's something great about space i think that's what i liked about that that jam mm -hmm. so, uh, i think space is overlooked and i know people are pretty busy and who knows why they're listening to music at any given time usually mm -hmm. it's background sounds with something else they're doing but like there's something wonderful being in a car ride and having like really spatial music yeah yeah it's a great feeling that's something i struggle with is leaving enough space in music and i feel like i can do it you know if i'm in a full band setting um you know playing with like a eight or nine piece band um i'm happy just kind of sitting back in the bass part and leaving a lot of space and just playing bass notes and really like playing the rests more you know like Add, adding space to things yeah. um, but in a trio setting like this I have a really hard time with that space because I feel like I need to do something in it hmm. and it's hard it's hard for me to not do something when I can do something in this oh, situation yeah. for, you know um, I don't know I just feel like I, I get bored playing the same things in a, in a, tr in a small group setting yeah yeah, that's why I like, uh, so for me, I like to have usually charts out for the improv. Mm -hmm. I usually like creating charts, and usually I try to create 
different options that we could go to. So it limits yeah. the amount of options we can go to, but then inside of those options, there's tons of stuff we could do. Yeah. So like there's like a B set of chords and then a C set of chords yeah. that you could actually go to, and all you need to do is give the look, and then next thing you know, you're on a whole different set of chords improvising. Right. right. So that's something really cool. But it takes work. You know, it takes right. time beforehand. So we've done some improvs where the whole thing is just one chord. And like some of the stuff we did with us three and Daniel Seraph was um was really cool and it was the whole jam was one chord, but we took it all these different places, all these different rhythms. Um it felt like a journey to me. Yeah. Even though we were the whole thing was one chord. I think it was F. Oh yeah? Yeah. Good chord. <laughs> it is a good chord. Well done. Yeah. I don't think you could have done the same thing on G. No, yeah. no, not G. Yeah, I'm glad you did F. Yeah. In fact, my favorite chord out of those three that we just played was my F, the F. Mm-hmm. So I felt like it was moving. It was going somewhere. Yeah, it was yeah. right in between the G and E. Right. It's always in between the G and E. It was just, just trying to find its way. Just shy of F sharp. Yeah. I usually appreciate those kind of chords. <laughs> yeah. So when you're when you're composing something, you said you write how many melodies a day, roughly? Well, you know, I, if I'm just improvising, yeah. I come up with about 10 to 20 that I think that, you know, could either... The ones that I definitely think could become a song usually become a song, but then there's like a whole B class that I'm like, this has potential. Yeah. And then I get I sleep on it usually. Yeah. A lot of them I forget, which stinks. You don't record yourself when you practice? No, because I tend to not play the same. Hmm. And it's really frustrating. I've been working on that. Actually, I haven't been working on that. Hmm. I kind of just gave up. One thing that I do, um, I record every gig I play. Well, usually without exception, um, because I I listen to them and I'm trying to find something about myself that I like I can work on or things that I like. I mean, it's like a whole it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, ooh, I need to make sure that I remember that because I loved that, or I will never do that again. I mean, that's how you learn. It really is is both listening to other music and listening to yourself play. That's I, how you get to the top. Yeah. When I listen game. to myself, it's mostly. Well, most of what I hear is mistakes, and so it's more I'm learning what not to do again. Right. Like, oh, I, or I need to work on this, or, um, but I don't, listening back to gigs, I don't take ideas and then work on them. It's like the ideas that I come up with with during gigs are, are things that just kind of come to me in the moment. Yeah. Um, I don't know, and and during practice... The first thing I do when I'm practicing to warm up is just make up an exercise. So every day I'm making up a new exercise. And then, so I'll just pick up a bass and kind of fiddle around until I find something that I can't do. You know, a four note combination. And then I'll play it all over the bass and then play it really slowly and pick up the tempo gradually. Yeah, that's a great exercise. I do that too, actually. Really? That's something I've, that's some, I'm trying to create a book about it someday. But, you know, to learn how to solo and to play improv it's not just playing your c major scale it's learning yeah. different techniques um and and how to play them in every single key that's the hard part yeah um and it's just it's little motives like that like and I, yeah. I what i like to do is i'm trying to learn how to play both hands at the same time doing the melody but not on the same key but thirds apart so and usually it's derived around the pentatonic scale because that seems to always work no matter what kind of note chords you're playing Mm -hmm. so that's so i tend to do exercises like that sometimes yeah but they're really hard and they take a lot of dedication yeah yeah i mean like most of the things that i've been playing lately is metronomic stuff 
like just trying to get tighter and, and better at playing with a metronome and shifting my perspective so that I can hear the metronome in different places. So when I'm playing jazz, for instance, let me see if I can. Uh, so how does that help you improvising though? Well, okay, so because, and it's not necessarily about ideas. It's about making sure that those ideas are executed well. Because one thing to have really good ideas and then you try to play them live and then all you're doing is like speeding up and messing like the vibe of what's happening. Like, and that's equally important. You know, a lot of people have great ideas but can't articulate them well. Mm -hmm. That's so, me. Yeah. So, uh, let's yeah, say me that. Too. Yeah. Like, I'm working on like a five note pattern. This is something I've been doing for a while. But let's say that I'm just now learning how to do it. So, one of the things I would do is I'd play it to a metronome, sixteenth, uh, or let's do a triplet five because you don't hear that as much. So. Those are eighth note triplets because I've actually taken one, oh, two and four out, right? And so I'll just start shaving these notes out and then just now have a whole note. So okay. I'm thinking, uh, Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> and so now I'm, I'm playing with, you know, a whole note at 104 and trying to still play the pattern, which is a cyclical pattern, accurately with the metronome. Right. And so when I work out those little time kinks when it comes to actually playing them in a real situation, having that much space to make a mistake, mm -hmm. you, you're really more confident and solid with your, your placement of your notes. Oh, man, that's a good idea. The metronome practice is really important with that. Yeah. And so this is more like of a macro approach and just saying, okay, you have your internal clock has to take care of subdividing that whole measure. You only get one. You're not getting these tiny little flag posts on the way. So it really helps your right. internal clock. Yeah, I think that uh, I don't know. I don't know if I view piano as patterns or I don't know, or just like uh, maybe I should start viewing more of what I do as patterns. Mm -hmm. Because that was a pattern, right? Right. Um, and you can utilize it in a couple of different ways. I mean, talking to the microphone. You can utilize it in, in a bunch of different ways. Uh, like when we were playing that electronic stuff. Especially when you're trying to just do inter like those types of electronic style interjections. Uh, that was that twice. That was that got, got, got. Right. That was the same pattern. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you see, cool. you can't just practice the pattern. Then you have to practice getting into the pattern. That's the hard thing and, about And that's piano. exactly mm -hmm. what I just did. Yeah. Like, yeah. So you have to hear how that can be music. Right. You can't, yeah. like, I, I always, I've been trying to learn this. Just the simple thing of bringing my thumb over to the next position. Because yeah. what starts out uh. in one position, but if you want to get to the next hand position, you got to bring the thumb. That's the pentatonic yeah. scale. But you can't just keep going like this. You have to kind of get like, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just really hard, yeah. Especially knowing when to do it in the improv moment. Sure. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I've been doing lately is jamming along to jam tracks, um, because I'm just a drummer. So just a drummer. <laughs> so uh, and that sort of helps with the application part, right? But then I don't just jam along; I record myself, and so like the jam tracks are that I use are like songs. And so I'll, in one practice session, I'll just string 
10 of those i'll copy and copy and paste of that song 10 times and without stopping i will play that song just 10 times without stopping and then go back and listen to it wow and so i listen to it while i'm in the shower and i was like eh, i need to work on like getting tighter with that or i didn't like where i played that there and, and then just kind of work it out man i need to start listening to things in my shower yeah that me too like that, that sounds like a good idea yeah yeah, I just think when I'm in the shower. Yeah, I usually cry. I mean, I think. <laughs> I think. I'm thinking in the shower. I don't cry yeah. until my wife comes home. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Sorry, Lori. Why are you apologizing? Because <laughs> I'm your friend. Oh. So, so, <laughs> so what What do you think? So, like, um, if we were doing an improv just in one key... What kind of things are you thinking about? Like, are you thinking ideas? Are you thinking at all? Or are you thinking <laughs> patterns? Or <laughs> uh, And one key? Yeah, so just any any random improvisation. But yeah, so leave the, the theory kind of out of it. So if we were improvising on F. I never think theory. I really can't. I'm, I can't think on the spot like that. Yeah. If we were impro- I think lately I've been thinking about um, what kind of electronic sounds would fit that. Like I have about four pads here, and I'm just I love trying to find that right pad that fits the vibe that you guys are playing. Mm-hmm. For example, if I feel like it's a jazzier thing, I'd play this pad because it has a jazz. If I feel like yeah. it's more moody thing, I'd play. And if I feel like I can get away with a pad that's all, get away with a pad that's also a lead, mm-hmm. I can play like has something that has a more modular. That's a cool effect, one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think about that. Um, I don't think about much of, like, I guess I try, I'm trying to figure out if uh, if I'm going to solo at all and, like, what does solo mean in the context of the improv? Mm-hmm. Because that means that it's centering on something that you're doing. And I think a lot of times I'm trying to play fast notes and a fast-moving thing, and I think it gets lost in the sound of everything. And that frustrates me. And that's sometimes, actually, that's why I kind of stopped doing improv a lot with jams for a while. Mm-hmm. Not because, like, all the players were doing awesome things, but I just felt like it wasn't controlled in the sense of, he's doing this now, I'm doing this yeah, now. And I yeah. think I love controlled composition with that because you can enjoy all these different aspects. Yeah. And so, so when I'm, so, like, this just go back to my main point. I think listening is the main thing. So I'm trying to just play less. And that doesn't mean have space. It just means play less, like, speedy notes and mm-hmm. just try and listen to what you guys are doing. See if I can support that. Right. Yeah. Like a marriage. So, okay. That's really so what it's all about. Right. With a, yeah. With a marriage, though, um, <laughs> because it's like you want to listen and you want to support things, but what happens when you don't agree? What happens when someone does a jam and they they go to a place and you're just kind of like, you you went there? Well, I mean, I like the last jam that we did, I was hoping that my nod to you would indicate that I'm trying to I'm about to kick it into a, a more of a beat. Oh. And, and I, I and, 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 and it was a miscommunication. Yeah. And that's okay. So I just obviously I'm not the drummer, so I had to continue to go. I had to change my momentum on the spot. Like I was about to go like But then I just went and I saw yeah. that you didn't go into it, so I just went yeah. back to mine. Because those, for me, are usually like ending things, 
right? Normally, what? when I get that type of a nod, especially where we were, it was like we're we're going to. Oh stop, yeah, right. Um, and so I like I know that from the for the future now. Yeah. Um, I think we should create. I think improvise. Improvisation. Uh, I think that should create certain signals. You know, baseball players have singles. You know, bros at a bar they have signals. Mm -hmm. Like I think you know. I agree. I've it, been thinking a lot about improv that, guys should should have singles. And yeah, it's not singles. Um, signals. Improvisation. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, I think yeah. I don't know. The head nod usually means ending. Okay, if you have an extra hand on you, you usually feel like. Yeah, if you bonk yeah. your head, you know it's usually the ending. But I don't know. A wink should be something. I think people should send in signals. Yeah, I and mean, heck, you know, you can't really use your hands though because you're you're busy. Right. So it has to be some type of elbow movement, maybe a leg kick. Yeah, depends on what you're. What you know? Go around again. Yeah, that's actually a good one. <laughs> so uh, I was listening to another podcast, and I forget what it was, but it was. This band based in Brooklyn, and they had this whole language of musical cues developed. So, like, say the saxophone player goes, uh, oops, probably not that. So, the saxophone player goes, that means that's like a cue for the next section. Or if they if, wait, what he played or what your head what he did? played? Oh, okay. Yeah, and so if uh, oh, I see. What or you're they saying. might have one this that means drum solo. Or like, and they had this whole wow. library. That's crazy. Of them. I mean, like forty or fifty. What if you accidentally accidentally do that, like while doing a solo or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. I guess they made them so distinctive that it wasn't like a lick you would accidentally. I'd be do. scared to do that. Yeah. That sounds scary. <laughs> it would take a lot of practice, but they right. had they had developed this whole language, musical language like that. I feel like you do that something like that over the course of years. Yeah. But they had, I mean, that's what they practiced. So they didn't, they weren't writing songs at first. They were developing these cues and then jamming and practicing incorporating the cues. Yeah. But it, that would really require you to listen hard. I mean, you'd have to be like focused on everybody all at the same time. Yeah. And that, that brings up another point. I think the best jams are ones when you can hear that, you know, what everyone's doing. Yeah. And I think that's just really hard. I think that. I think the in ears could really help with that. Yeah. Because totally. I can't I can't hear myself that well. So then I'm spending more, you know, energy trying to hear myself mm -hmm. when I could be spending it listening to what you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, being able to hear well is crucial. Yeah. Playing at a bar without good sound is like it's just an exercise in futility. I mean it's Yeah. But here's the the thing that the thing that's interesting about live music is that a lot of people just appreciate the movement that a musician does while playing mm -hmm. an instrument. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it has something to do with the notes that they're doing, but it has a lot to do also with the vibe that they're giving off. Yeah. And the look. I mean, people care a lot about how you look on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. that's that's a lot of it. The most comments I've ever gotten on stage is just like what my hair is doing. Right. And that's a nice Felix you've got today. Thank you. Thank You're you. You're welcome. I do. I put gel in just for this evening. <laughs> really? It's in, it's not the evening, but I. <laughs> I'm enjoying the gel in my hair. <laughs>
Um, so what time is it? it? Is this a trick? It's 1.30. It's breakfast time. Oh, sorry. Let's do yeah. that again. Okay. So what time is it? It's breakfast time. Breakfast time! I meant... <laughs> 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 this is great. Anyways, breakfast time. Uh, so, so you you started this project called Breakfast Time. Yes. And it might have been inspired by the name of a piece that I wrote called Waffle Time. It's true. I do have to give you most of the credit. I no, was. I take zero credit. Well, I didn't even come up with the name Waffle Time. It was just the time that I wrote the piece. Interesting. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that, but still, I heard you say Waffle Time, and then in my head, as you were still talking to me, I was thinking about a name for a new band that I wanted to create, which yeah. would add electronic sounds to folk music, and that's all it was going to be. It was, it was just like folk video, I mean, electronic video game sounds to folk music. I, and, I dig and, the folk music idea. I mean, I dig how you've incorporated that Yeah. with everything. Like, I, what what I realized is when I do my solo piano uh concerts people like it and people like the idea of just listening to a piano piece mm -hmm. but what lacks is just a story and so, yeah. some people can listen to music and hear a story but a lot of people need words or need something to help them that's why pop music is usually incorporating lyrics and so i wanted to start creating lyrics and um but still be able to add some of the things that I'm desiring to add, which is electronic sounds. Yeah, yeah. And so Breakfast Time is all about adding those two things together and uh, creating some fun lyrics. Um, and, uh, you know, the lyrics are going to be serious. Some of them are going to be funny. And uh, some songs are not going to have lyrics at all. But it's all going to have electronic sounds. That's all the time we have for today. But we're going to leave you with a breakfast time song from the upcoming album called Sirens Song. Our guest today has been Michael Anderson, The Felix. And I'm your host, John Ray, and my co-host, Jonathan Green. You can see us perform tonight, November 11th, at Sika in Winston-Salem. Or check us out at mrhaircut.org. Here is Sirens Song. So I go on a quest I 
Okay. Uh, you know, I just, I want to please all the audiences, not just the, the young hip crowd or the, the oxymoron crowd or the, mm-hmm. the crowd that, you know, likes the opposite or the parodies. Um, I want, I want the older crowd. I, you know, the, the crowd that is used to Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. and top hats and, you know, old fashions. Yeah. You know, I just, fashions. I want them to come to my concert. I don't know if they're going to come if I'm wearing a onesie. You got to say. Nothing wrong with an old fashioned. Oh, oh, I wasn't saying there was anything wrong with any of that. In fact, I would rather have that than a onesie. But I'm just saying, can you mix the two? A onesie and an old-fashioned? You got to say, old-fashioned. I, I don't know how to do that. Neither do I. You got to have a beard. Yeah. Old-fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> you, you remind me of a, a mountain man. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're, you're welcome. 